2: Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get
3: podcasts.
2: Jamie's Log, Progressive, the Harrington's Backyard, day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's Backyard to prove Progressive as 24-7 protection has a rip in it, but a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington says she totally understands 24-7 protection
0: means 24-7. Gonna stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing now. That's fun. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates and third-party insurers, and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Derek Jeter. This is the Yanks Go Yard podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante.
1: Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante, God, it feels good to win exactly one game. The Yankees' losing streak, which felt like 10 million, was actually just four, but every loss to the Red Sox counts at least triple so, and there was also nothing encouraging so. And then the Yankees tripped into target field uh, to face the Minnesota Twins, who are a team that has been the Yankees' get-right team for. Nineteen years now, and they went two for fifteen with the runners in scoring position, and they uh, didn't unload the bases at any point in time, despite having the bases loaded in every inning, and they still managed to win eight four. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about possible selling candidates at the trade deadline. Who might the Yankees actually offload if things don't get better for a while? It's been a meme like, who do you want—the one eighty hitter or the one ninety hitter? We actually went through it and figured out. Well, these couple guys might actually be on the move. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with the mailbag question if that's something you're into. Thomas Carinante, welcome to the pod. Uh, It feels good to stay up to midnight and watch a win. You got the NBA playoffs, and you got the Yankees winning in Minnesota on. Shiver of a game, though, for like seven and a half innings, capped by the Rob Refsnyder thing that made you go, come on.
2: Yeah, I'm just glad we're not the Clippers, man. The Yankees just lose games because they just – did they can't get ahead? Clippers, clippers just choke it away, dude. Paul George, terrible. Can't stand Paul watching. George
1: retired years ago, right? He's yeah, not still,
2: I, I yeah. just yeah, can't stand watching him. Anyway, uh, can't stand watching the Yankees either. Guys, I know we got a win and I know it felt good because at this point, we'll take any win. It doesn't matter what the scenario is, it doesn't matter how it's achieved. Really, really doesn't matter as long as we're not losing. It it feels good. But it's true. It's but, just true. But, but we're, we're still, we, we just, we know what's going on. We know the persistent problems. We know what plagues this team. And yes, the Minnesota Twins, our pinata. I, I am thankful that this is the team we've run into after the four game losing streak, which really felt longer than that because those two wins over the Rays were as fake as they get. Uh, I know the Yankees ripped 14 hits last night. I know things look promising, but guess what? Loaded the bases three times with one out. Did not get a single hit. Not one hit with the bases loaded with no out in three separate with one out in three separate innings. So how is that not concerning to you? I understand the offense kind of went off in the ninth inning, but that was after the game was a little sort of bit out of reach for the Twins, and after they had already made four errors uh, in the game to to give us life, where we where we were continually providing them opportunities to stay in the game. Um, you have the egregious error, but Willens Estadio, just terrible game from him at third base. Uh, he made that error, and then he cut off that throw when Gary was head. T- that could have been an inning double play for the Twins. Well, oh, he was
1: done. He was done. No uh, way.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, it looked like he was, but guess what? I like the aggressive base running because you want to have a bang-bang play at the plate. In my opinion, I'd rather have that. I'd rather test the arm of the offense. I'd rather test the uh, you know the reflexes of the catcher to get that ball and apply the tag. He did test look Astudio. done, though. yeah. <laughs> he did look done. Anyway, Astadio cuts that off. He's what? eight feet away from the catcher and cuts it off. It's like confounding the craziest, craziest thing you've ever seen. And then uh, that uh, that wild uh, eighth inning, I think it was, they that they should have had an inning ending double play. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, and Drelton Simmons doesn't step on second. And then he's late with the throw to first. And then the Yankees challenge to play. DJ was safe. Judge was safe. Thankfully, though, Giancarlo Stan was up next, grounded into a double play to end the inning. So another bases loaded situation where they cannot capitalize uh, it was beautiful, and it was beautiful to see. I don't care who they were facing in the ninth inning. Um, I know it was not a good pitcher uh, by the name of Griffin Jacks, In case, uh, in case you're unaware, uh, one inning, three earned from him. The three earned came on a Gary Sanchez on un- uh, came on Gary Sanchez uncorking a two-run bomb to left center. It was a beautiful swing, and then Andujar goes second deck, 449 feet. Uh, I'm not getting ahead of myself here, but I know that these two guys are largely, I mean, at least and Duhar is and Duhar is holding his own in left field to some capacity, but he's also making some, some egregious mistakes. He has, you know, he has the throw out of Bogarts at second, but then he also does not catch a 95% uh, catch probability ball in left field that has the Yankees lose the lead on Saturday night. Um, but he's hitting the ball. And that's really, if, if those two guys can hit the ball and lengthen this lineup and hit for power as well, it's changing the complexion of the team, so I'm not getting too excited. I'm just pointing out what looks good, what's still remaining an issue, and why we need to kind of still temper our expectations because these are the Minnesota Twins who are having a very, very, very disappointing season. Uh, Nelson Cruz was not in the lineup last night, um, and uh, they had gaff after gaff after gaff to leave the door open for the Yankees. I'm not, you
1: know, jumping on a roof celebrating, but it is funny, like – People make fun of Yankee fans for making every day a one-game season, but it really does feel like a one-game season. Red Sox lost to the – Red Sox got pummeled by the Astros yesterday and we beat the Twins, and I'm like, all right, bring it on, kid, after, like, (laughs) watching Miguel Andujar. Like you said, flub a ninety-five percent catch probability ball, and having the Yankees blow two-run leads to the Red Sox in the sixth and seventh inning in two separate games over the weekend. And Chris Gittens didn't like after all the hope Chris Gittens provided on Saturday, he didn't even play on Tuesday. Like two games, I guess, is enough of Chris Gittens, and we're already moving back to Dor who b- bunted back to the mound to try to <laughs> get the offense started in the second inning yesterday. In the biggest roll your eyes moment of the entire season, maybe just being like we're surrendering to Michael Pineda in the second inning. Like, Oh, it's already, oh, it's over. Like Michael Pineda not getting through five upset of the century, especially since he's like in the fourth working on like 35 pitches. And it's just the most obvious former Yankee Yankee killer situation of all time, especially because he has been good this year. It's not like Michael Pineda's been bad. There are more embarrassing people to get your ass beaten by, but it is also hilarious on Garrett Cole's spider tack day that Michael Pineda, Mr. Pintar dripping down my neck, is the guy on the mound for the Minnesota Twins. We chase him from the game and then get the Twins' bullpen. You know, it's, it's, it's as simple as that, really, still in Major League Baseball, but it has not been as simple as that for the Yankees at any point in 2021, which is why I can't even get mad at Gary Sanchez and McGillian Duhar for tattooing a creative player named Jax. In the ninth inning, because how many times have the Yankees faced a mysterious creative player reliever who throws 99 this year and they're just spinning themselves into the ground like I'll take any encouraging sign. I'm not going to get on the rooftop of my local church and be like, the Yankees are back. Like, I I don't know who's back. Obviously, two for 15 with runners in scoring position is a crazy thing to behold. Absolutely insane. As Ricky Gervais would say, mental. But it, like I, I, I just I, they won a game. They they won a game that they had lost a couple of different times over the course of that game. They lost it when they didn't get DJ LeMahieu's leadoff double in in the first inning, uh, the first mm-hmm. extra base hit for LeMahieu since May 18th. We don't need to necessarily talk about that, but. It's it is true. They lost that game in the first inning. They lost that game with Jordan Montgomery. Couldn't bury Ryan Jeffers. They lost that game when they put runners on repeatedly. They lost that game when they had runners at, uh, I believe, second and third for Glaber Torres with the game already tied in the fifth and one out. And, and he and the man after him couldn't get the job done. Gio Rochelle is struggling a little bit lately. Couldn't get the runs home. Uh, Gary Sanchez struck out with runners on base. Giancarlo grounded with double play with a chance for some insurance runs after the eighth inning rally. Blah, blah, blah. All this stuff. I and mean, it's like Brett Gardner making a leaping catch on Chad Green. And don't forget Jordan Montgomery begging to stay in the game to face Rob Refsnyder. Uh, with the tying run on first, and Rob Snyder absolutely uncorking one into the gap. Um, Aaron Boone has yet to make a managerial decision in this year. No decisions have been made that have gone his way. Every time he has had a 50-50 call to make, it's been incorrect. I'm not sure why he let Montgomery pitch with Jonathan Lewisaga fully warmed up, coming off an off day, coming off a. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't understand anything Boone does. And you'd think that at this point uh, he would accidentally trip into the correct decision, even when he challenged properly and got LeMahieu safe at second on the ball that took the second baseman off the bag and did a fist pump. Like I did it right this time, mom, I did one thing. Mm. They didn't even score after that. So nothing went Boone's way, um, but the Yankees still won the baseball game. So that's, you know, the end of the day it's in the win column and, you know, they piled on in the later innings. So it would say whatever you will, that they have not done that in a long ass time. When's the last time they won a game by more than like two. It's been a really, really long time. Um, and it would have been nice. <laughs> you know what? You, you, guess what? I was slightly annoyed by at the end of the game. Cause I don't think you're going to get it.
2: Mm.
1: By the end of the game. It's eight three. Uh, Wandy Peralta gives a back-to-back oh, error, up back to back. Oh, the error, the error on the double play. Tyler Wade throwing
2: error. Or... Well, no,
1: I don't care about the Tyler Wade throwing error. You got two guys on. It's eight three. Eventually, the Yankees win eight four. Would have been really nice for both of those runs to score, so the Yankees could have won eight five, and we could get that fucking stat out of here about never winning a game, <laughs> giving up five runs. Yeah, could, be couldn't be nice. we have just given up those runs? A two out bases clearing double or some shit, and then the Yankees finish it off eight five. That would have been great. Uh, No, instead, 8-4 win, uh, so we get all the unnecessary stress of of a late-inning run score without even getting that monkey off our back. But overall, nice game. And then now you've got, uh, you know, every game is important. I hate to say it, but the the fact that we just passed the 60-game threshold that was the full season last year has now sort of made – you'd think it would render the rest of the season sort of irrelevant, and you'd start to realize that these games do pile up, and there's game after game – Unfortunately, it's imbued it with more importance because I remember where I was when the 60-game season ended. I remember how annoying 33-27 and 27 felt, um, and I now have just sat through 31-29 and 29 in a 60-game season. Every game is now taking my breath away like it always does by the time you get to the middle of the summer. Uh, Yankees have a lot of ground to cover, and this was just the beginning.
2: Yeah, uh, we wouldn't have made the playoffs if this was a 60-game season, right?
1: I think we would have made the 8-seed.
2: We would have made the 8-seed?
1: Which, you know, who wants that? That's not real. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. It, 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 wait, or playoffs ex- oh, well, if this was last not this there's year, no not this playoffs, year, but if yeah, yeah, it was okay. last year. Yeah. yeah.
1: We would not have made the playoffs this year if the playoff field was as Yes. Well, um yeah. So
2: anyway, uh Yankees uh only the fourth time this year scoring at least eight runs. Uh only one team has done that uh fewer times. That is the Mets with three. Um, 11 left and they're on base. awful and they're terrible. <laughs> well, they're, they're not terrible. They just have nobody. Everybody's injured. Uh, Lindor's finally starting to turn it around, but they've been handicapped by so many different things this year. Uh, the pitching has held them up. Um, and it's, it's, they, they are, I think they have the least, um, run scored in all of MLB. Uh, I, I believe that what that was a stat last week. I don't know how that would have improved over the weekend because I don't think they exactly I don't think they exactly produced a ton of runs against the Padres in that uh, three or four game series, whatever it was. Um, but going back to Boone quickly in Montgomery, I saw I, well, I saw Boone come out and I assumed that he was taking Montgomery out because when has Boone ever went to the mound and not just pulled the pitcher? It's never. I, I don't I don't know if that's ever happened. Um, and it appeared Montgomery was pleading his case, and then Brian Hoke was saying that when Boone was coming out of the dugout, he was motioning to Montgomery to not worry because he wasn't taking him out. But then why was he going to the mound? That was a little bit confusing. Not sure what he was trying to talk to him about. Maybe he had Intel on Rob Refsnyder. Not sure. Um, But yeah, it didn't really look good that it appeared as if he was going to take out his pitcher and I guess seemingly make the right decision. Um, At that point, I think Monty was at uh, 85 pitches or something and um, you're facing arguably the hottest hitter in the Twins lineup, which is just fucking crazy to say. Ref Snyder's batting 340 with a 528 slugging percentage. Yes, he is. Uh, he was batting, I think, 400 through his first 12 games with the Twins this year, um, and then he slowed down a little bit. But uh, yeah, not not the greatest of looks, whether he was taking him out or not, um, because you have Loisego, who's fully warmed, who's trying to get right after uh, after getting smacked around a little bit in that Red Sox series. But hey, the win's there. Uh, I'm 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 feeling okay. I'm feeling like you know the first day after being violently ill, where like you're still kind of sick, but you're like, oh well, you know that extreme nausea and uh, all the other terrible feelings that kept me up at night are gone. So now we get to restart tonight. We got Garrett Cole on the mound, uh, and he's got some beef with Donaldson. Donaldson decided to call him out yesterday in the pregame pregame press conference. So. Maybe we'll see some sweet chin music. I doubt it, but that'd be fun.
1: I doubt it. Yeah, before we go to break, just another thing that bothered me. I can't even stay positive for like six minutes. Like the Red Sox, After their sweep credited Brett Gardner's comments with lighting a fire in the locker room, which was the most innocent shit of all time. Brett Gardner saying, I don't like Alex Cora and I want to beat them. Yeah, I don't like Alex Cora either. And I want to beat the Red Sox. The Red Sox apparently triggered by people not liking. They can't believe someone doesn't like them. So they were like, Xander Bogarts was like, yeah, Brett Gardner said some stuff and that got us ignited. Great. Whatever the Red Sox want to do. Can the Yankees just take a disrespect angle one time and self-motivate like every other athlete in the world. Brett yeah. Gardner, the most innocuous comments ever, lit a fire under the Red Sox. Josh Donaldson comes out and he's like, yeah, Garrett Cole's cheating. Uh, Garrett Cole's like a big old cheater. And I think Garrett Cole's the face of Major League Baseball cheating. And the Yankees come out the next day and, and go down to nothing in the first inning. Like, can't they just, like, and, and look obviously they, they ultimately won the game. It took a really long time. I would love to sweep the twins. And I would love at the end of the series for Garrett Cole to be like, that's for Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Maybe you should try cheating a little harder. Just anything, any shred of personality from this team. Um, Go go Gary Sanchez and go Miguel Andujar and I love the end. I loved exactly one and a half innings of Tuesday's game. Um, I, I lied when I said I had the playoffs and the Yankees split screen. I, I just watched the playoffs. I, I can't watch this team um, and, until you know it, it gives me no pleasure. I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch a game on my off day. Um, but I will obviously you know keep keep in touch and watch when you know if they they turn around I'll be back. Don't worry, I will be back. We're gonna take a quick break when we come back. Couple trade candidates and a little bit of an update. Stick around. Listen up, Ohio, because this is a test from Pepsi. If you call C C Town, you're not from Ohio. If you don't know the Blue Jackets actually have a fifth line, you're not from Ohio. And if you don't know what to say when someone yells OH, you're not from Ohio. We know this because at Pepsi, we are from Ohio. In fact, we bottle ice-cold Pepsi right here in Cbus. So when you're thirsty for something that says you're from here and proud of it, grab a Pepsi and say here's to OHIO, where Pepsi and life are oh-so-refreshing. Welcome back to the Yankees Go Yard podcast. So the Yankees got uh, tangentially some news on some trade candidates who we like, or or I think the vast majority of Yankee fans are definitely keeping their eyes on. Uh, Wednesday morning, I guess it's almost trade season somewhat. We got back-to-back updates on people we've, we've got our eyes on. Max Scherzer and the Washington Nationals, not ostensibly available yet. But John Morosi was sort of the first one in a while to leak the old, hey, uh, you know, not sure if Max is available, not sure if he's not available, but the Nationals are in last place and the Cardinals could use pitching help. So the fire is being stoked there. Uh, Scherzer went to Mizzou. Uh, the Cardinals could use pitching help, certainly could use a Missouri boy. Uh, I'm going to, though, remove them from the equation. Not going to think about them. Just going to think about the Max Scherzer's available part. And then perhaps the best fit, in all of Major League Baseball, Starling Marte, center fielder with power, guy who drives in runs, uh, good center fielder. Not Brett, Brett Gardner would not be playing every day in a scenario where Starling Marte is on the team. Will not sign an extension in Miami. That borderline seals his fate. Um, I don't think we thought he'd be extended in Miami this year. That would have been a real upset considering the Marlins are still in phase maybe two or three out of five. Um, of their, you know, couple of years long rebuild, Kim Ang, who we love, uh, Marlins GM, said, you know, this team isn't built on offense, and I think that's kind of a screamer. Like, yeah, we're not done. We're still, we're still getting people. Um, so Marte is probably going to be very available. He's a righty, not a lefty, but other than that, and when his handedness ever stopped the Yankees before, he'd be a great addition to the team. So Thomas Carinante, where do you stand? Sort of, I don't know why I just gave you a full name treatment after yes pretty cool um where do you where do you stand on the on these guys and does this peak your radar at all
2: yeah i mean it all depends especially for scherzer it just depends what the salary cap situation is uh, salary cap fuck me uh, I mean, The Yankees the, did a salary yeah, cap they, they gave themselves
1: a salary right. cap. it
2: depends what the self-imposed salary cap situation for the yankees is going to be uh because Scherzer's is making like 30 something million which would mean the yankees are probably paying half of that which means it's probably around 15 16 million and then that brings them over the tax so uh, it depends how they I guess how they feel about this team uh, as we approach closer to the deadline six and a half out of the division right now. Um, it also depends what happen, happens with the Nets. They're dead last in the NLE seven games back. Um, I, you know, I love Scherzer. I mean, how many times do we have to talk about Mac Scherzer and how he'd be how he'd be amazing on this team? I know. I know. Right now the Yankees don't exactly need pitching. That's probably been the area of the roster that's been performing the most admirably. However, I think a 5.2 ERA over the last 14 days for the starting rotation. So on top of the offense being as dreadful as you could possibly imagine, um, it's starting to leak into the starting rotation a little bit because uh, to be honest, going out there every night, knowing you're getting no run support is it doesn't really help your morale, does it? Um, And Uh, Corey Kluber going down, certainly played, uh, played a big role in that. We don't really know what the outlook for him for the rest of the season is going to be. Um, I wouldn't say Scherzer is exactly, uh, an immediate emergency priority for the Yanks, but I think if he's available, you got to do your due diligence. Anytime you add a top end starter like that to your rotation, even if your offense is underperforming, you're exponentially just increasing your playoff World Series chances. Those, you know, him and Cole atop the rotation will give you the best opportunities to win possible. Um, just start winning. Garrett Cole starts, maybe instead of being six and six to his first 12. Hopefully that uh that starts changing tonight. As for Marte, um, I do like it. Uh, I know he, he's missed some time due to injury this year, right? He's only played in 25 games. Um, but hitting 341 with a 1.001 OPS. Certainly like that. He's a plus defender, always has been, can play multiple outfield positions if if you really need it. He could play left field as well. Uh, problem is Yankees, and, and that, that could help the Yankees too because left field, I know is hitting, guys. I really hmm. do, but guess what? We could just DH him because does it really matter if Giancarlo Stanton's playing every day at this point? He's just, the, the, the I, I'm going to go into a, a, a tangent here about Stanton. I tweeted last night, dude, because it's annoying to watch him because I understand that he gives you like some of the craziest, like torrid tears you'll ever see when he's smacking home runs and when he's crushing first pitch fastballs and when he's hitting balls into the gap a million miles an hour and clearing the bases. But like when he's not doing that, there's zero quality at bats. There is the most embarrassing strikeouts you've ever seen. And there's like dribbler ground outs to the catcher and the pitcher. So like in my in my opinion, the imbalance isn't worth it. Call me a spoiled brat. I, I just I don't need a boomer bus guy to that capacity because of course Stanton will find a way to get hot while the rest of the lineup is dog shit, and his production will not be as probably uh, uh, in, admirable as it should be uh, with with runners getting on base ahead of him. So at this point, you know his pinch hitting performance against the Red Sox on Sunday night was downright embarrassing. That's that's not a guy you pinch it because he doesn't. Once again, does not see a lot of pitches. He maybe sees four in 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 any given at bat. Um, so yeah, it doesn't really matter if Stanton's in the lineup every day at this point, in my opinion. So maybe you D.H. and Duhar a couple nights, you D.H. Gary, uh, Gary Sanchez, and then you could put Marte in left field and keep Guardian center. I'd rather a better defensive uh, outfield, which has cost us a lot of runs over the last couple of weeks than worrying about the, the top to bottom of the lineup and ensuring that we have the best offensive production possible. The Yankees are hoping some guys turn it around offensively. Maybe that's the case. I There's been no indication that suggests that, aside from the fact that they're talented and they have done good things before. Um, but I do like the potential addition of both of these guys, especially Marte, because if we can flex the outfield a little bit, make uh, give give Boone some more flexibility with the lineup, it's going to go a long way. So um, I think it depends on how the Yankees are feeling about this team because they can still sell. I, I'm, I'm really not... I'm really not going to let that go away until there's a really big shift in their morale um, and they're they're doing away with these these issues that have plagued them for three or four years now, because it's really not out of the question that they might try to maximize some return for some assets, because are they going to run it back in 2022 if they continue to suck through
1: July 31st? I I don't know. I don't want to see it. I mean, like, look, Monday, I'm like, I don't want to run it back with any of these people. And then Wednesday, I'm like, great. Yeah, bombs away. Kill the (laughs) twins. Um, uh, Yeah, I I would like to see... I would prefer a rental like Marte mm-hmm. this year, just because I don't know. I don't know what this team is, and I, I certainly want to. I don't want to, you know, limit my flexibility heading into 2022. Yeah, uh, it's hard to remember what year it is. It's somehow next year is now twenty twenty two. I would be happy with, uh, you know, I, I am now in the mode where I would like to make changes. Uh, on Monday, I was sort of like. Take it or leave it. Uh, yeah, I don't even. Uh, it's a wake up call when you hear that the Nats are in last place seven games back and we're in fourth place six and a half games back. And we're like, can we scavenge Max Scherzer? And, and instead of being like, wait, <laughs> we're in fourth place, we're basically seven <laughs> games back. What are we doing? Um, so I mean, now it is time to briefly talk about like, the other side of the coin. We put together a list of people. It, it is easy to, in a memeified way, be like, Oh, the Eagles are going to sell like, who do you want? 180 hitting Clint Frazier, like the non left fielder who's playing left field. Like who's actually an asset here? A Chapman obviously comes to mind. He's the best closer in baseball so far this year, but there is a big contract there. Uh, only last through next season. It's not eternal, but it like, I don't know who wants that. I- I'm not sure. Um, He's definitely a name that's going to come up, but it's going to take a lot to get it. And Maybe the Yankees are going to eat money. And then why do they want to eat money? Because they don't like money in general. They're going to eat money and get rid of a role of Chapman. Eh, I don't know. Um, and then Zach Britton is another one that comes up. But you, I think, have pinpointed sort of the guy who, like, the Yankees are going to have to make a decision on in the coming uh, weeks, months, years.
2: Yeah, I think it's Gio Rochella, guys, and I really don't like to say it because Gio Rochella is probably the most consistent Yankee at this point in terms of defense, staying healthy and consistent offensive production. But look, the reason Gio Rochella is on this team was Gio Rochella was a D.J. LeMahieu situation. They just picked him up and they're like, we need a guy. Uh, Maybe he could provide some quality at bats and give us some uh, give us some help in the infield. Great. Turns into an all star level player. Um, and thankfully for the Yankees, it turned into a very cost effective uh, team control situation where they have they're paying all these other guys, they're paying DJ LeMahieu, they're paying Giancarlo Stanton, they're paying Aaron Judge, they're paying Garrett Cole, um, what have you. The list goes on, even Gary Sanchez is making nearly seven million dollars. So they are like, Great, now we have an all star level third baseman who is under team control and is making under $5 million and is controllable through the 2023 season. So Gio was part of this. Gio was uh, not expected to be part of this plan, ended up being a tremendous fit both financially and from a playing standpoint because it bumped and Duhar off third base. And he was very much not a capable third baseman. Unfortunately, Uh, he really can't play defense anywhere uh, at an above average level. Um, But now you have to ask yourself what, are we going to do with Gio Rochella? He is going to be 30 in October. I'm not saying that's old. I'm just saying if he has two or three more years of club control, are you going to sign him to an extension that brings him into his mid thirties? Or are you going to wait just until he's a free agent and then let him go when he's 32 or 33 years old? That doesn't seem to make sense to me. I don't know why, if you're going to kind of, Give this team a facelift at the deadline. If you're gonna give this team a facelift at the deadline, we don't know what they're gonna do. If there is we one guy, know. if there's one guy that they can maximize their value for, like you said, a lot of money attached to Britain and Chapman, they're both signed through next year. Chapman 16 million, Britain 14 million. Um, and Britain's making 13 this year, Chapman's making 16 this year, so teams are gonna have to pay probably around half of that. I don't know if they'll have to eat money on Chapman just because he's performing so well, but I think at this point, Britain with his injury concern. And now his uh, lengthy rehab process after the elbow surgery, that might have to take some convincing, but geo plus defender, very good hitter. I mean, imagine him on another contender where he's beheading sixth or seventh, like that, that's going to change the complexion of so many lineups and third, third base is a very important position when, when you're coming down the stretch and into the postseason, you really need someone holding down the fort at the hot corner and his bat is comes through in clutch, clutch situations. I know he's having a, a little bit of a down year at this point. Um it's not exactly tremendous, but you know, still near 270, 725 OPS. That can change on a dime if he has 3 or 3 or 4 good games and if he's he's clearly not a guy who's going to be part of this Yankees core if the Yankees are, you know, going to keep a couple of these people and then move on and retool. So You have to wonder if this is under consideration because there are very few guys that they can maximize value for considering how many people are underperforming. Gio Rochella stands out as a guy who they, I think, can be able to take advantage of his value at the trade deadline.
1: We've said it before, and this is obviously going to be an embarrassing conversation if the Yankees rip off a huge win streak and and get buoyed, and that's great. And I, I hope it is. I hope it's an embarrassing discussion. But we have watched in recent years, DJ LeMahieu, a happy, the happiest accident. The Yankees thought they were getting a great utility man for two years who could, you know, this was coming off not signing Manny Machado. And it wasn't, a, and you had fans furious, like, oh, we passed on Manny Machado. We signed DJ LeMahieu, like a 300 hitter with no power in Colorado. Great. And then he becomes, he's not even in the opening day lineup. Troy Tulowitzki starts, and then he becomes an MVP candidate you can't get rid of. And over a two-year period, he goes from, like, a great, interesting fifth infielder death piece to someone the 80s can't live without. Um, So they extend him and it's a $90 million extension and we all think that the floor for DJ is basically hitting like 250 with no power in the sixth year, the 6th year deal. And then he's doing that in year one. So not great. And I think there's a lot of rebound potential for DJ. I don't think he'll ever be as good again as he was in 2020 in that shortened season when he was way outperforming his peripherals, but that's fine. He doesn't need to be a top three MVP candidate. A batting champion be, would be great. I take that. Um, uh, but a 300 ish hitter with 10 to 15 Homer power. Great. I love it. I love it so much, but His extension was an accident. It was not part of the plan. It gummed up the situation with Glaber Torres, who now has to play shortstop, who might have had to play second base if they hadn't extended LeMahieu, all that stuff. Um, You also look at Luke Voigt, who had an unbelievable short in 2020, was the heart and soul of the Yankees, led the American League in home runs, didn't finish as close to the top of the MVP races as I think we wanted him to, but it was he, he, he was amazing in the first half of 2019. He got hurt. He missed the whole second half, was never the same, had like a hernia and extremely painful surgery. 2020 was everything you could dream of. Some people said you yeah, should sell high. Other people said, Are you insane? You finally have a first baseman on a cheap deal. Why on earth would you get rid of this person? You don't need to extend him, just, just ride it out. And Void has barely played. In 2021, he's supposedly going on a rehab assignment next week for a grade two oblique stream. I don't even know what that means. I don't see how that is physically possible, but he's barely played this year. He is not, he's been a non-factor. The Yankees have had the worst first-base production in the game of baseball. So you combine Lemayhu parlaying himself into an accidental extension well through his 30s and the Yankees deciding not to sell high on Void and watching him backslide. If the Yankees are still, you know, treading water at the deadline or definitely after the season ends, wouldn't you think there might be a chance they would pursue a, you know, a top dollar shortstop in free agency this offseason, which would include either Lemehu or Torres or Voight or Urshela being squeezed out. And Urshela is a win for the player development team. Not a, comp- obviously not a complete accident, but somewhere between a plan and an accident. Nobody thought he would be this good, this unbelievable on defense and this good with the bat and this powerful uh, 2019, 2021. 20, it's not a fluke. He's a good baseball player with a really good bat. But yeah, another definitely an accidental extension candidate. They do not want to pay Gio Urshela for age 32 and beyond. And so inst- what do you do? do you, are you going to let him hit free agency? Are you going to put the qualifying offer on him when the time comes? Or are you going to look at this roster after the season and go, God damn it, we, we probably have to sell him, don't we? I'd say you're much more likely to do that.
2: Yeah. Can't you, I mean, I don't want to do it. They're stuck with DJ. I don't know how DJ is getting off this roster. I think at this They're point stuck with DJ, I yeah. think at this point Glaber Torres is probably not going anywhere, but what if they trade Gio? just move Gio to uh, what if they trade geo, move DJ to third full time, move Glaber back to second and go after a high price shortstop. Like, yeah, I, I think that's a little, I think that's a little much, but um, it, it's certainly a possibility because guess what? DJ LeMay who has played more games at first base, and third base combined this year way more than second base. So they're clearly using him as some sort of a Swiss army knife infielder. He is not even, even when people are, even when people are going to be healthy, I don't, I don't think he's going to fully be at second base. They're going to want to give geo days off. They're going to want to, you know, they're going to want to give Luke Voigt days off. So there's always going to be this merry-go-round of nonsense where uh, DJ LeMay, who going to have to be jumping around the infield. So maybe solidify him at third. He's, he's okay there. And, you move on and you fig- you get value for geo. Maybe you get a, a, another pitcher or something. I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know. I don't know what you could get, but then if they really want a high price shortstop and they trust labor at second for the future, then that's how you solve the problem. I guess uh, I don't, I, I, I don't necessarily think it's crazy. I think it's maybe unlikely. I don't know, but it's a scenario that I think the Yankees need to consider because if you're keeping Geo, if you're keeping Geo after this year when you're not contending or you're a fringe contender sneaking into that eight seed with a thirty-one and twenty-nine record, theoretically, uh, I, I just don't know what what else you do because they can't trade Stanton. Aaron Judge isn't going anywhere. DJ LeMahieu is not getting traded at this point. Gleyber Torres, like I said, trending upward. Gary Sanchez is either a non-tender guy or they bring him back for another year. Uh, and Duhar, I know his bat's nice, but he's no one's going to take that liability on defense, and he's certainly not a full-time DH. Uh, Clint Frazier, I don't know when he's going to wake up or if it's ever going to happen, but teams were clearly hesitant about him in the past, even when his bat was doing well. They were hesitant about his injury history. They were hesitant about his defense, and both rightfully so, and now he's batting 191, so that doesn't really give the Yankees any ammo. And then you look at the pitching staff. You don't really want to trade pitching if you want to remain in contention because that's – I know if you're completely out of contention, it makes the most sense to sell relievers because those are those guys are always going for top dollar at the deadline. Teams are always looking to fortify the bullpen. Um, so I don't know. I think they could go in a number of directions, but I think the one position guy we have to look out for at this point is Gio, given his situation and given how the Yankees can probably make do without him if they want to go after a high price shortstop.
1: I guarantee you won't hear any other podcast talking about this on Wednesday morning. This is a no spin zone. We're still trading Yankee stars, even (laughs) though they won and beat the twins. Just keep it in mind. That's it for this edition of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review along with a mailbag question. We'll be more than happy to answer that mailbag cue. Still just got that guy saying he hates the Astros from last year. One of the best mailbag cues of all time. Uh, we'd love to do another mailbag episode, so, so hit us up with those. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner.
2: And I'm Thomas Carinante. You can find me at Tommy's underscore takes. You can also find us at yanksgoyard.com. We got all the content there for you. You can also talk to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at YanksGoYardFS. We're here all night. The next two nights, guys, two more games against the Twins. Off on Friday, though. We're off on Pizza Friday, so make sure to make the most of it. Maybe we'll do something fun on Friday. I don't know. And then we got two games against the Phillies over the weekend. Nonetheless, enjoy the rest of your week. Let's hope for a sweep over the Twins. It'll really make us feel good, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah, we're off, like, every Monday from here on out, too, by the way. I don't know. Major League Baseball sucks. Who did this? There's, like, no there's no minor league baseball on Monday, which is, like, a thing designed to make series more streamlined. And there's basically no Major League Baseball on Monday. So, uh, yeah, Rob Manfred, what gives, dude? We'll talk to you on Friday. Jamie's log. Progressive. The Harrington's Backyard. Day 27. 333 AM. 333. All those threes mean something. Or I may be losing it. Been camped in the Harrington's Backyard for 27 days now, proving that Progressive has
2: 24-7 protection. They told me every day they understand what 24-7 protection means. think I'm finally getting through to
0: them. 333. Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection. Just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.